0: I don't even know if I have the words (laughs) to tell you how I feel now. So I'm driving down the street to bring one of my children to school. And I'm looking around out my window and taking everything in. Taking in the weather, taking in the bear trees, taking in some other people walking down the street, taking in the other vehicles. And I'm like crying as I'm... (laughs) looking at all these things. It almost makes me emotional talking about it because I, I don't quite know when the last time I was able to truly take in my surroundings like that.
1: Wow. That all sounds really nice, doesn't it? That is Lindsay Coughlin. She's an emergency room physician's assistant as well as a mom blogger and entrepreneur. But she's not on Instagram, at least not anymore. Last year, Lindsay abandoned her very profitable Instagram account and her nearly half a million followers because she felt like the app was just messing with her head. She felt like it wasn't serving her anymore.
0: I owe it to Instagram and just clouding my brain with unnecessary information at such a fast pace that even I didn't even know what was happening. To have my own brain back and my own thoughts back and to be able to appreciate shit like the snow falling outside and the way that the fucking trees are curved a certain way. Like I I, I feel like I'm just like passing a joint back and forth right now. But that's really, like, <laughs> 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 But I mean but but it's, seriously, true. That, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It is true. Like I truly believe that I have my life back. I am much more present with everyone and everything in my life compared to how I've been for the past couple of years. And that to me is more important than fucking anything.
1: We talk about this a lot. So many of us know that we want to get off Instagram. But let's be honest here, because we're always honest on this show, it is so fucking hard to quit it entirely. Even if you aren't an influencer who directly makes their livelihood on Instagram, you're probably using it for a dozen other reasons. Getting off Instagram is harder than quitting the gym. And yeah, that is a Friends reference from 1997. I am an old. Now, we're going to get back to Lindsay in a little bit. But I also want to tell you that I talked to another influencer for this episode. Her name is Katie Rose Pritchard, and she had an experience that made Instagram a complete nightmare for her and her family.
2: They gave us new names. They gave us basically new personalities. They made us all into these like fictional, but also very real characters with our images. My heart sank and I started flipping through it and discovered that it was this thing called role play that I had no idea existed.
1: You'd think that'd be enough to get someone off Instagram, but Katie stayed. Why'd she make that choice? We're gonna find out. In the last episode, we went over the many ways that women are taken advantage of by companies like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of the social platforms. We also went through why we need to take a stand against it. These two examples show us that in the end, everyone has to make the decision about how to live with social media for themselves. So today I'm gonna tell you two stories about one woman who quit.
0: The last two years were just a lot of trying to figure out what I really wanted to get out of Instagram. And the short answer to that was fucking nothing.
1: And one who, despite a completely hellish Black Mirror-style experience, decided to stay on.
2: I'm in no place to get off of Instagram. I would, you know, I've poured my blood, sweat, and tears into this, and I don't want to just throw that away.
1: I'm Joe Piazza. And you're Under the Influence. Episode 2, Getting Off the Gram. Hi, Glynis.
3: So I hear that we're planning like a global women's day off the internet, which sounds Mm -hmm. like the biggest power move in history and also a huge ask. And uh, while I don't doubt your ability to do this, because I've known you for a long time, how are we going to convince people to get off the internet?
1: Well, I'm going to ply them with french fries and MDMA.
3: (laughs) As one does.
1: (laughs) No, so... Look, it's going to I know it's going to be hard. I know it's almost impossible to get people to put down their phones for any length of time. But frankly, since season 1 of Under the Influence came out, I get thousands of messages a week from women saying either I want to get off or I just I just want to control how I use social media more or I want more power over what I'm putting out and how people are using it. So, through that I've gotten so many good examples of how women are using Instagram and how they want to take a step back. Look, I think we have to get off to get back on, to get back on in a better way that is satisfying for all of us.
3: So much of the time we think of getting off these things as a sacrifice. And I think framing this as a power move, like you, this is women exerting all the power we have in a way that demonstrates to us the uh, extraordinary reach of it.
1: Totally. And I think the word satisfying is really important too. We don't want this to be about deprivation. We want it to be about finding more places of joy in your life.
3: And more control, I think too. I So more much control. of, for me, social yes. media makes me feel like I'm out of control. That uh, this idea of putting us in control or demonstrating how much control we actually have and may not realize it is really appealing to me.
1: So the stories in today's episode are kind of like Harvard Business School case studies for if and when we should get off Instagram completely or how we can control how we use it. And our first case study is a mom influencer named Lindsay. I first discovered Lindsay's Instagram account and her blog after she mentioned me on her Instagram. I love a fan. I do. She had listened to season one of Under the Influence. And she mentioned that after listening to season one and for so many other reasons, she was completely ready to be done with Instagram. She had nearly half a million followers, and she still decided she was going to get the hell off. And so she decided to take her company, her brand, her influence, her power into her own hands and away from the instability and everything else of Instagram. And she's off it now. She just poof, Oof. poof, Here's the thing. You're going to recognize a lot in Lindsay's story that we heard in season one because she's one of those OG mom bloggers. She's been doing this a really long time. And in the beginning, like so many women, she freaking loved it. She found so much community and so much great storytelling and camaraderie. And then, right, we've heard this story before, haven't we? What happens? What happens? It all goes bad. It all goes to shit.
3: We need a sound effect in there. Dun, dun, dun.
0: I started out, you know, 14 years ago, created a blog, creative outlet for me, um, aside from the ER, because things were crazy stressful. And I, I just needed to have that space. Blogging, like old school blogging, took a lot of thought. You sat down, you're like, I want to create this look. And there was a lot of writing that went, behind the scenes. There was a lot of photography and it was just like beautiful content creation and so much thought would go into it. And then Instagram came along and then it became a little bit faster paced.
1: Lindsay was able to keep up with this social media frenzy, but frankly, the algorithm controlling everything made it a lot less fun.
0: And so then Instagram stories came along and I think they broke the internet and ruined everybody they're just a way to get people back onto their phone before that 24-hour mark because you don't want to miss out, right? It's the fear of missing out. We all have the FOMO. And so I think this was the downfall, um, honestly, of society.
1: Of society? I know, that's so It's not, it's not, Listen no. to me. I'm like, let's write a a book together called The Downfall of Society. Hey, I'll fucking do it. It's all about the moment that Instagram stories came into the world.
0: When it was born. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I truly believe it is. And I think there was, you know, probably a year where I was just posting every single day. And I had like 50 stories a day. Jesus Christ. You know what I mean, Joe? Like, just like, slow down, you know, like, (laughs) what is happening? Like, who gives a shit? No one cares.
1: When the pandemic hit, Lindsay finally got the wake-up call that she needed to break up with Instagram.
0: So then you fast forward to March of 2020 when COVID hit. And for myself as a medical professional, my husband also a medical professional, we got COVID early on. I was pregnant. It was very scary. And it was a huge eye-opener for me. We're filling out living wills, because we truly didn't know if we were going to die. I mean, at that point, we knew nothing about COVID, you know, and I was pregnant. So I was like, I'm definitely gonna be the first one dead because I'm immunocompromised and I'm carrying around this baby. I started thinking to myself, you know, I, I would sign on to Instagram, like, what am I actually doing on here? And I think that happens with anybody that kind of comes face to face with something that's bigger than themselves. And they realize that life is staring them right in the face and that it could end in an instant. And you start thinking like, why am I doing the things I'm doing? So that's March of 2020. And then that just amplified over the next couple of months because I would sign on to create content or talk about whatever. A lot of what I wanted to do was education now.
1: Lindsay decided to use her background in medicine to keep her audience informed about the pandemic.
0: It was then that she realized just
1: how much of an impact influencers have on their audience a lot of followers really do take what their favorite creators say as gospel. And Lindsay didn't and does not take that power lightly.
0: It is such a huge responsibility to have a platform like that. And literally everything and anything you post about or talk about, some people are truly taking that all in. And I don't know that everybody takes it as seriously as it is. But, um... Yeah, so the last two years were just a lot of reflection and trying to figure out what I really wanted to get out of Instagram. And the short answer to that was fucking nothing.
1: Fucking nothing. I love the fact that I finally met someone on this podcast who can match me F word for F word. So Lindsay wanted off Instagram, but she wanted to keep her brand. If the great Instagram blackout of 2021 taught us anything, It is that Instagram could just disappear. So we should all be prepared to get off of it. We should all have our go bag. The hell's an Instagram go bag? I don't know. But what Lindsay did is she kind of made an Instagram go bag. She made a plan.
0: I built this community and I wanted to bring that elsewhere. I just wasn't sure how. And in 2020, the end of 2020, I decided, you know what, Lindsay, you need to marry both what you used to talk about on your blog in the good old days with what you do as a profession and put them together and create a podcast. And so that's how Motherhood Meets Medicine was born. And then I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to make a timeline for myself. And by December, 2021, I want to be off social media for good.
1: Lindsay also went through all the reasons she decided to leave Instagram. She wrote this sort of manifesto about it on her webpage. It was very Jerry Maguire.
0: Who's coming with me? With influencing, you always make more money, the more you work. This has taken its toll over oh, the We ears. see these detrimental effects in all ages, not just children or teens, but adults too. When something is designed to be addictive, it doesn't exclude anyone from its wrath. I felt suffocated. My mental health is not worth any amount of money I will make on Instagram. My mental health is not worth sticking around just to please other people. I am so happy that I realize this now.
1: And with that epiphany, those epiphanies, all of the epiphanies, poof, she was off. I admire her so much for this, and it has made me realize the ways that social media really does stop my family from being present with each other. And not just social media, phones. Freaking phones in general, just staring at phones all the time. The fact that we just pick it up out of our pocket instead of being present with the world. There's a lot of things we don't like to say out loud. Like, one of the things that I don't like to say out loud is that I feel terrible every time my husband picks up his phone. Because I'm like, oh, he wants to do something on his phone instead of talking to me or, or our kids. And I can't even imagine what that makes my kids feel like when I pick up my phone And I know that I'm modeling terrible behavior for them. Did that have anything to do with your decision too?
0: Yes. A big decider for me was being the example I want to live by for my own children. I want them to see me reading. I want them to see me uh, walking outside, appreciating nature. I want them to see me cooking. I want them to see me present with them, doing the normal things that we do without our phones. And I personally wouldn't be able to do that if I was still on social media. I think there's just such a drastic pull for me that not having it has been the most wonderful thing that has happened. (laughs) Like it's changed my life drastically.
1: Hearing Lindsay describe her life on the other side of the gram is a little like reading Tom Wolfe's electric Kool-Aid acid test for the first time. I, I want to be right in it right now with her. I want to see the swirling colors and the trees. It just sounds so nice. But here's the big question. Can she still make money? It sounds crass, but come on, it matters. And you know what? When men talk about making money, no one says it sounds crass. Just when the ladies do it. After a quick break, I'm going to get a little crass. I'm going to ask Lindsay about the money. Be right back. So what I want to hear is, how is life on the other side, business-wise? You made such a concerted effort to move your audience off this platform onto platforms that I think you have more control over. Your newsletter, your Patreon, your podcast. Was that really fucking hard?
0: It it wasn't for me because I didn't fucking care. (laughs) You know, as I had mentioned, like over the last two years, I lost over 100,000 followers talking about COVID and, and the vaccine just in general. And maybe for some other reasons, maybe just my no filter. I don't have no idea. But, you know, I had just gotten to the point where I was like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, this is me. And I'm going to talk about whatever I want to talk about on this free platform. I mean, people can choose to come over to it and watch or they can choose not to, you know? And so I didn't find it difficult to switch over to a different platform. Other than that, it is obviously a significant financial difference. But for all the other reasons, I didn't find it difficult. I don't have nearly the amount of following or community that I had on Instagram. But for me now, I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's kind of where I'm at. That's a really um, good
1: place to be. That's a really freeing place to be.
0: It It is. See, so yeah, Yes, freeing is definitely the way I would, yeah, describe it.
1: So what kind of response did you get from your following when you said, I'm
0: leaving? Joe, it was the coolest fucking thing. I would get messages and emails from people saying, I thought you were such a hypocrite. I was in such significant denial of my social media use that I unfollowed you and like cursed you out. And then after a couple months, I came back and I saw you reposting, you know, this resource or this resource. And I finally read it or I finally watched it and it has changed my life and I deleted social media and I gained my life back. So one of the
1: things that we are doing this season is that we are calling for all women all over the world get off the social media, to get off the Instagram, just for a day, just to see how it feels. And also, so that the world generally, especially the men who run all these companies and make all the money from these companies, so that they can see how powerful women are in creating all of the content that drives their stock prices. So we're calling it the Women's Day Off the Internet. It's modeled off a Women's Day
0: Off in Iceland back in the 70s. Mm, Yes, love Um, that. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with that where you mentioned that women influencing has such a huge financial impact on some of these platforms. And I think it's completely underrated.
1: Thank God, one down. (laughs) Billion more women to go, but I'm here for it. I'm going to get those billion. I am very, very excited that Lindsay is going to help spread the word that there are so many reasons for us to be more conscious of how we use social media and who's really profiting from it.
0: I think and hope that being off social media will be the norm and that being on will be the rarity in the future. And I think the more of us that pull together to talk about things openly and candidly like we are here, I think that opens the door for other people to do the same. And I think the money will follow that.
1: I love it. Let's just leave the audience with that then yeah. some just like really great Riot Girl music.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: After talking to Lindsay and headbanging to some varuca salt and early hole, I'm pretty riled up about this. Oh yeah, I'm going to go mosh. Why should I keep giving these platforms my time? Oh, right. It's because I've still got a book to sell and a podcast to promote. And frankly, this mama's got to hustle. Even in the darkest moments on the internet, when mental health and safety is put at risk, most influencers are not going to make the choice Lindsay made. Most are gonna to decide to keep hustling and stay on the platform. Because Instagram and social media have become a part of our lives, a part of our brands, a part of our work. That's the decision Katie Rose Pritchard made. Katie's yet another hard working mom influencer, constantly hustling to keep up with whatever challenges Instagram throws her way whatever challenges the world throws her way. She's worked so incredibly hard to build a lifestyle brand and cultivate an audience on and off Instagram. So far, Katie's got a loyal following of about 100,000 people, which is a lot, but she's still got a ways to go to get into, like, you know, the big time. And that means she can't leave. Since the beginning of getting on social media, Katie has always posted pictures of her growing family and all of her kids. Then, last Christmas Eve... Katie learned something that made her reconsider every single thing she'd ever done online.
2: So on Christmas Eve, my 13-year-old comes in my room and she had her Instagram account up and had it pulled up of another account that was mimicking me or whatever. I didn't know at the time. All I knew it was my photo. It was six or so photos of mind and she was like, Mom, this is so weird and also funny that they are trying to be like you and and like us. And I was like, that is creepy. It's not funny. And I instantly like my heart sank and I started going through it and flipping through it and discovered that it was this thing called role play that I had no idea existed. Um, and so That's when I started going down the rabbit hole. It was pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds a little bit like a horror movie, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. So there were pictures of you on this other Instagram account that you'd never seen before and pictures of your kids, right?
2: Right. Yeah, I think I would die. And again, I was just figuring all this out and I still kind of am like learning about it. But um, one of the things that they were doing or seemed like to me was they... We're like painting this storyline. They gave us new names. They gave us basically new personalities. They obviously made it look like I ran the account as the mom.
1: Okay, I want to slow us down for a second and recap exactly what is happening here. Katie's 13-year-old daughter comes into her room on Christmas Eve and says, Hey mom, I just found this Instagram account and it's all pictures of our family. Except it isn't controlled by us. They've given us new names and new personalities, and they're pretending to be us. Pretending to be Katie Pritchard and her children. Let's not pretend that's normal, because this is some real Black Mirror territory, and I don't want to mince words about it. This is digital kidnapping.
2: It was just really strange how they made us all into these, like, fictional but also very real characters with our images. What names did they give you guys? So my name was something with an A. It's like A A O F or and A. And they named my four-year-old Oakley, and then my son was Mathis. Oh, and I'll oh. I'll forever hate these names, by the way. Like, oh yeah, no, we, they so, just gross me out. So um, I. alive, I now hate these names. Sorry, They can listeners. be like an yeah. innocent little kid name out there, but I like hate it. They made like spinoff accounts for my four-year-old and my thirteen-year-old. So they like would tag them in a story and they would give them personalities and be like, I'm a girly girl. I love ice cream, which is just like totally disgusting. Oh, you hear about predators and things online, like using like symbolic uh, food and candy and stuff. And it just, yeah, I discovered all of this, like in a matter of under a minute. And I was just like disgusted.
1: I did a little bit of my own digging into the world of Instagram role playing And frankly, I was crazy surprised at how little this has been reported on. Most of the news stories I found about it were from way back in 2014, which was like the golden oldie days of Instagram. But there were a few months back then where there was a rash of reporting on Instagram role-playing and in particular, stolen baby pictures. Here's a pretty good description of baby and family Instagram role-play from the Washington Post in 2014.
4: A group of Instagram users are creating strange fictional relationships using photos of other people's children. Often, the accounts are anonymous or private. They are filled with photos of babies and kids, presumably stolen from social media sites. In comments, the fantasy comes to life. Users have conversations pretending to be the parent or the baby. The baby says things like wove flowers, while other users might ask what the baby's favorite color is or if it wants to be held. They use hashtags like hashtag openRP, hashtag babyRP, and hashtag kidrp, so other enthusiasts can play along. Some users have entire fake families. Others create Instagram accounts where they invite followers to adopt babies, posting stolen photos along with made-up profiles.
1: Here's another bit that truly disturbed me from the Toronto Star.
5: Even a cursory search brings up dozens of baby role plays on Instagram, many of which describe sex in front of or with babies. As time went on, the posts we were seeing went from disturbing to vile, says Karine Chemovitz, a Toronto area mother. Some were being abused both physically and sexually, and some were even being killed off. Now, not every role playing account is sexual. In fact, some of them are run by women who've lost children and are playing out an online fantasy of building a family but others are inviting sexual predators to look at the pictures and act out their sexual fantasies in the comments.
1: This is the most terrifying thing that I've discovered while reporting a podcast about a lot of fucked up things. It also made me so happy that I've already removed most of my kids' faces from the Instagram. But I've got to be honest, it also depressed me so much. I genuinely believe there are beautiful parts of social media that allow women to connect and share and find community. And frankly, we can't even have that. We can't have nice things without the potential threat of something absolutely disgusting happening with the pictures that we post. That's the world we live in. Even though it is scary as fuck, we're going deeper into this corner of the internet. Did you think we wouldn't? Frankly, this is the only way we can figure out how to survive it. Let's
3: all grab our go bags. More after the break.
5: If you post a picture of your child online... And it reaches even one other person who chooses to repost it. You now have two copies of this image on the internet. And even if you take the image down, other people could still find that image.
1: That's Ross Ewald. She's a cybersecurity researcher and Impact Fellow at Stanford's Brown Institute. I found her because she co-authored an academic paper on Instagram role-playing. The title of this paper was fantastic. It was called Fake Profiles, Real Children a look at the use of stolen child imagery in social media role-playing games. Even the name of that paper is chilling. While Ross was doing her research, she tried to find out exactly how these photos that were being used in role-playing accounts were actually found after a parent posted them.
5: One huge theme that we saw emerge from the paper, like fake profiles, real children, was that a lot of these images were sort of harvested up and put on Pinterest boards. And when we were going back, We'd find a role-playing account, and we try to find the original source of the image. And the farthest back that we could trace was, you know, sometimes we'd find these Pinterest boards of a huge number of images of children, and that was as far as it went.
1: And so... I'm, th- I'm thinking about the, the verb that you just used, harvesting. Right. Like someone harvesting yes. photos of children, and then putting them... Often a field or a warehouse, right, so that other people can use those images. And of course, we as parents have chosen to put them in a place that is ostensibly a public marketplace.:
5: I mean, I think that's one of the challenges, because there's such an intimacy to posting these photographs, and, and so many parents and so many people use these platforms as a place where they can connect with others and form bonds and like share pieces of their lives in a very intimate way and in a very like emotionally sensitive and vulnerable way. And then to have this other side to it, which is, you know, now that piece of data is out there and copyable is something that isn't necessarily very clear when you're posting the image. And one of the deep challenges is the fact that the photograph might go to another Instagram account, but it also may leave Instagram and end up on like some random image website or Pinterest or Twitter or something like that. And and chasing those images down after the fact is
1: a challenge. Yeah. And I think that as parents, we have to stop thinking about each thing that we post as a cute image. And at the end of the day, it is just data. It's data that can be shared, that can be copied. Yeah. The images
5: can end up anywhere. A lot of it's a numbers game in that The more people who see photographs of children, the more likely it is that they'll be lifted and used for some purpose that the original poster did not intend.
1: So the more time influencers spend online, the more successful they become, the more danger they're in. It's a vicious cycle. Katie now understands this danger all too well. The first thing she did after processing what happened to her was to completely wipe her kids off the Instagram.
2: I went straight to deleting. That was just where my mind went because if you think about it, what we post online is just out there. It doesn't matter who you trust necessarily because once it's out there, like things can be screenshot, things can be cropped, you know, there's high technology these days and that's just what happens to these images.
1: To parents listening who I have just scared completely shitless with this information. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Katie shared a couple of ways that you can try to stay ahead of this. You can regularly mine role-playing hashtags to make sure your kids aren't on there, which that seems like a fucking lot of work. You can also do something called a reverse Google image search to find out if your photos have been stolen and used anywhere, but it doesn't really work.
2: So what I say to parents who really are shocked and want to be safe and really want to know that they're being safe is just to not post it. And I, I know that that's like being the bearer of bad news. But once your images are online, they can literally be taken away from you. Because listen, before the 24th of December. I was posting my kids left and right. To me, this is a personal journey. This is something that everybody has to do on their own and they they feel their way through it, whatever that looks like for them. It's not gonna be the same for everybody. And I don't have a desire to shame parents into feeling like you need to follow me right now and do exactly what I'm doing. Absolutely not. I think that a lot of it is let's be aware of it and let's just be cautious. And from then we build a healthier relationship with social media in general, right?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think we all, we're all on our own journey, like we're all trying to figure it out. Like there's, there's no right or wrong here, except except for the wrong of these complete weirdos stealing our baby's pictures and doing disgusting things with them online.
2: Right. And there's also people who believe This only happens to large accounts or influencing accounts. I'm here to bring some more bad news that I've had so many moms and parents reach out to me that are not in the influencing space that have small accounts, even some that had private accounts, because we have to remember those are still out in the internet and those photos still float around. They get cropped, they get screenshot. You know, it's a lot lower risk for sure, but it's not no risk. And we just need to remember that this thing can happen to anybody. It is not restricted to larger accounts, unfortunately. So you're not in the clear just because you have 100 followers. It it really is something to always be mindful of. But the other thing is, I really want to call Instagram to task and be like, figure this out.
1: You do a lot of things, figure out how to make this stop. It's not okay.
2: I know. And they decide when they want to censor something, but came right back at me saying that that was not against community guidelines. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Like, no, how is it not? How is it not? I don't understand. So, you know, we know that Instagram is not going to hold any kind of responsibility They're always going to blame it on the user. And that's kind of the hard truth back to facing that it falls on our shoulders, what we post and what we feed the predators online and just in general.
1: But Katie did take responsibility. She immediately complained to Instagram about this. In her report, she said, this account is pretending to be me. 20 minutes later, she was notified by Instagram that they will not remove the post because it quote does not go against community guidelines. End quote. It's ironic then that Katie posting about this violation on her Instagram account and it going viral and so many people responding to it, that, that public scrutiny, that eventually made Instagram disable some of these accounts. But remember, in the beginning, when they thought Katie wasn't gonna make a fuss, they told her that this kind of activity didn't violate community guidelines. We reached out to Instagram too, because journalism. The first response is something that I have not gotten in 20 years of being a reporter. Not from Angelina Jolie's lawyer, not from Hillary Clinton's press secretary. No, those people actually answer your questions. Instagram, not so much. Their first response to me was, hey, just go read this blog post that we posted somewhere on the internet, and that answers your question. After pressing them further, and I believe after Good Morning America decided to air a story on this issue, we were sent a written statement. It said, quote, claiming to be another person on Instagram violates our community guidelines, and we have a dedicated team to detect and block these kinds of scams. We are also aware that we have more work to do here, which is why we keep introducing new features and tools to prevent abuse and keep our community safe. And then they told us to read their community guidelines. Again, their community guidelines do indeed state, quote, share only photos and videos that you have taken or have the right to share. As always, you own the content you post on Instagram. Remember to post authentic content. Back to authenticity, bitches. And don't post anything you've copied or collected from the internet that you don't have the right to post. So, right there, that is proof from Instagram itself that stolen photos and impersonation are not allowed according to their terms of service. So the question is, why wasn't the account that was role-playing as Katie taken down immediately when she flagged it? Why did it take multiple attempts for them to finally take action? Why the lag? And if Instagram knows about this problem, which they clearly do, why are there still role-playing accounts on the platform?
5: Every single platform on the web has a set of things that they don't allow, but whether they go out and proactively identify content that is against their terms of service or against their community standards is a very different thing.
1: That's Rossi Wald from Stanford again.
5: So all of these accounts that we identified, just the child role-playing games using stolen images, all of them violated both Twitter's and Instagram's terms of service. Both Twitter and Instagram ban the use of photos that you don't have the copyright of. And it's not like these communities are really trying to hide. You know, it's pretty obvious that they're stealing these photos and it's pretty obvious that they're pretending to be,
1: you know, kids. Here's the thing. Instagram, Facebook, Meta, whatever they're calling themselves these days, they can do more. They can do more they're choosing not to. And I just, frankly, I don't get it.
5: Platforms basically can respond to these issues in whatever way they choose. On the really, really extreme end of the spectrum, which not a lot of people expect is banning children from the platform and banning pictures of children from the platform. Platforms are totally within their rights to do this and it would solve these problems. It would create other problems as well, but it is one way that they could address these problems. Another is they could rework their algorithm, their content recommendation algorithm, in order to be less hungry for kids.
1: Ross's last point was so interesting, that the content recommendation algorithm could just be less hungry for kid pictures. Maybe less people would come back to the platform, but then other people, dangerous people, Would have less of an incentive to post pictures of your kids. So, as I mentioned, Katie took her kids off Instagram. She told me that she would love to do what Lindsay did. She'd love to get off Instagram entirely. In fact, she told me that she knows Lindsay and has been following her entire journey. But frankly, Katie can't get off Instagram. She can't if she wants to keep doing what she's doing, which is building a business and a lifestyle brand, all while raising and homeschooling for children.
2: I'm in no place to get off of Instagram. I would literally be throwing away years of my, you know, I've poured my blood, sweat and tears into this. And I don't want to just throw that away. No, exactly. Exactly. And
1: honestly, I mean, I say it all the time. I am an author. I publish books with big publishing houses and great marketing campaigns. But my Instagram sells more books than anything else. I
2: know. And it's hard to throw that away. you can't. I can't. Just, I you just can't, can't just do that. That's no. your livelihood. I know. Um, so I think uh, setting boundaries with addiction and how we use it, how much we're tapping into it, I think is a really good place to start. And as long as you're cautious of those things and aware, then you're in a much better place than a lot of us. And that's where I feel really good. I feel... I'm at peace with everything I mentioned about my kids. Um, You know, I'm as freaky as it was, I'm not dwelling on it. I, I don't carry regret or guilt for it because it is what it is. I'm so thankful, if anything, to just know. And it's allowed me to make better decisions moving forward, healthier decisions.
1: We make so many choices every single day. How we use technology is just one of a billion choices that we make. But more and more, Instagram and all of the other forms of social media are just becoming a habit, like a really quick impulse, essentially a spiral that makes us more and more reliant on platforms that don't give a fuck if they're exploiting us. It really is healthy to take a step back and just to think about things and decide if that's what we really want, if that's how we want to spend our time. And if we do, cool, good on you. But that is why I think that the Women's Day off the internet could be so incredibly powerful. It'll make all of us interrogate exactly why we're on these platforms, and it'll make us just think, just think a little bit, just be a little present and think about what we really want and how we want to spend our time. Maybe some of us will decide that we want to get the fuck off it, like Lindsay did. But others might decide to use the experience to make the internet a better place. That's what I want to do. Honestly, it is. It is. I have a mission. I didn't have a mission when we started this podcast, but I've got one now. I'm going to make this better. I'm going to try to fucking fix this because there are a lot of reasons to stay on. And we're going to talk about one of those reasons next week in our episode on Teachergram. Yes, teachers on Instagram. And why? Why, might you ask? Are teachers on Instagram? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out
3: off of my teaching salary. I could not have paid my rent and my living expenses. So for me, the only way I was even able to make that move is because I had that supplemental income.
1: Yep. America, America, God shed. Just close out this episode with some God bless America. Can we do that? Emily, can I close out? Under the Influence is hosted and reported by me, Joe Piazza. Our senior producer is Emily Marinoff. Glynis McNichol is our editor. Abu Zafar is our producer. We got additional production help from Aaron Peterson. And our associate producer is Lauren Phillip. Sound design and mixing from Jackie Huntington. Our theme was composed by Jessica Kreinchich. Additional music by Jessica Kreinchich and Jackie Huntington. Anna Stumpf is our consulting producer. And we are executive produced by me... Joe and Nikki Tor. Extra special thanks to Ross Ewald for helping us understand all this and for some really great fact-checking. The paper that she co-authored was published by the Stanford Internet Observatory and does not reflect the views of the Brown Institute.